On today's episode of Paid and Puke, we're joined by Aaron Lavery to scream about Ridley Scott's 1979 masterpiece, Alien, the film that inspired the Bechdel test. Where's Earth? Seems we have intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. Human? Unknown. Can you see this? I've never seen anything like it. How do we kill it? You're gone. Today's episode of Paid and Puke, we're going to chat about the film that inspired the Bechdel test, Ridley Scott's 1979 art house horror film Alien, starring Sigourney Weaver, heading an ensemble cast. My name is Jessica Baxter. Oh, I'm Amy Green. <laughs> I'm Christina Barr. And today we're joined by one of my oldest friends, Aaron Lavery. Mm. Hi. <laughs> Aaron, do you want to introduce yourself beyond your name? Do you want to say a little bit about yourself? Well... I am a partially qualified person to review this movie. I feel like my qualifications come primarily from the fact I've watched it like 50 to 100 times. Long time movie lover and in particular long time lover of the Ripley character. One of the first like real feminist heroes on screen. So I'm excited to talk about it today. Okay, well Alien tells the story of a commercial astral towing ship that gets rerouted on its way home to answer a distress beacon, which leads to a trail of carnage and a fight for survival. It was a box office smash at the time. Real big deal. It cost $11 million to make and it grossed $106 million worldwide. At the time. So I'm sure since then, because it's obviously started a huge franchise and it's a cult favorite. Well, not even cult. It's a favorite. It's it's a (laughs) a favorite. So this is a cash cow. This crazy, like, art house (laughs) ahead of its time movie. We like to just start off throwing out compliments. Do you want to start, Erin? Oh, okay. So one of the things that I had forgotten about this movie since it had been a while since I saw it was how good the workplace banter is. <laughs> I, maybe I just missed it because when I watched it when I was younger, I was more focused on the sci-fi aspects and, mm-hmm. you know, the alien, right? Yeah. But watching their rapport and the way they interacted with each other and teased each other really made it more fun. And the first thing that I'm going to do when I get back is to get some decent food. You can dig it, man. I'm telling you, I'm eating first food in this, but then I'm tasting better, you know what I'm saying? The other one over there. You pound down the stuff like that. Uh-huh. Listen, I'd rather be eating something else, but uh, 
right now I'm digging food. Well, you just know you know what it's made of. I know that. I don't want to talk about what it's made of. I'm eating this. There's more comedy in it than I remembered. So I loved that about it because it gave it really a fun feeling and then you cared more about them and you were able to get invested, I think, faster. Mm -hmm. So then when things actually start going wrong, you care about the people, things are going wrong too. I think that makes for more suspense and Definitely. Movie. Yeah. Do they talk over each other a lot? I had the subtitles on this time. I like to just have the subtitles on a lot now just because I'm old and I miss things, but especially when we're watching a movie for the podcast because I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. I didn't notice how much of an ongoing thing like talking about the bonuses was <laughs> until this watch where they're just like, anyway, about the bonuses. Oh, yeah, right. I just forgot something, man. Uh, before we talk, I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right, right, baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation has never been on a, an equitable level. Well, you get what you contracted for like everybody else. Yes, but everybody else uh, gets more than us. I really like that, and it's, it's an interesting, kind of maybe even a parallel to filmmaking in a way, because, like, there's not that many industries where you have like the people who are being paid for their brains versus the people being paid for their bodies and their labor and how it is often the people being paid for their labor who get undercut and in this case like they're all risking their lives so Parker and Brett are like yeah but this seems like a good time to bring up the fact that since we're all <laughs> risking our lives maybe we could get a little bit more money out of this in the end. We are obligated under section I hate to bring this up but uh, this is a commercial ship not a rescue ship. Right. It's not my contract to do this kind of duty. And what about the money? If you want to give me some money to do, I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, right. Let's go over the bonus situation. We never can we, can we just talk about the bonus situation? Sorry, can I say something? Let's talk about the bonus situation. I thought it was like a really strong, charismatic cast in this movie. A lot of character actors that I really like. I mean, obviously, Harry Dean Stanton mm -hmm. is just like always gold, you know? It was so. I really enjoy seeing him. And it's hard to say his name, but Yafet. Yafet Koto. Yes. I actually looked it up ahead of time because I wanted to make sure we got it right. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he shows up in a lot of things, but, you know, Midnight Run is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It's mostly in that. <laughs> so I really liked every time those two were on screen together. I liked their banter a lot. I also really liked how it had such a slow build, building the suspense, because it just starts out, like, so sort of quiet and slow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first time I'd ever seen it. I feel like I grew up knowing about this movie and seeing so many references to it. And when I was a kid, I went to Universal Studios in Orlando, and I think there's a ride where there's an alien part to it. And I'm like, really? I was like, I know all this stuff is from Alien, but I've never actually seen it. The slow build of it and the story was really cool how it just sort of, they're not on a mission to go get the alien. It's this incidental thing where they have to investigate it and things that happen along the way. I thought that was really cool. The effects were interesting and the chestburster scene. I mean, I saw <laughs> my knowledge of that was the space balls. Of course. Like, oh no, not again. <sighs> Alone, oh baby, telephone and tell me I'm your own. 
Check, please. I'm like, okay, well, I'm actually seeing the original what that is referencing. Yeah. (laughs) My dad let me watch this movie too early because... I watched Spaceballs, and he thought that part was so funny. <laughs> he wanted me to understand the reference. My dad made a lot wow. of, like, yeah. really questionable judgments about movies <laughs> that he let me see at certain ages. I mean, I I guess I'm fine now, but <laughs> Poltergeist is way too young. Total oh, Recall way too young. This Poltergeist movie was made in PG, you know? Like, it was? Yeah. I mean, it was before PG-13 existed, but, like... Yeah. Uh, oh, maybe that's yeah. why he... Yeah. Yeah. That was okay. okay. Yeah. That was PG? Yeah. 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 Wow. I, yeah, that freaked me out. I have out. no idea. Yeah. But, yeah, he was like, mm-hmm. see, this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very funny. <laughs> it's funny because I watched this yesterday with Lucy, and Lucy's never watched Spaceballs, but even she knew, oh, yeah, this is that movie where the thing explodes out of someone's stomach. Like, when that part happened, oh. she wasn't freaked out. She's oh. like, that's how much it's just you know, tap water. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I'd know. be interested to know okay. how that came about for her. Yeah, I don't know. Even know. I, yeah, right. It's like, uh, even if you haven't seen Star Wars, you know, I'm your father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would know this about Alien. Yeah. Yeah, the special effects were really fun. And I loved how, <laughs> the cinematography, a lot of it was beautiful. Like yeah. the use of light, darkness. And so a lot of it was beautiful, especially for the time. But also there was the very dated quality that right. I loved. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when they take the head off the robot, humanoid <laughs> right. guy, and there's like royal icing all over his face. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> And it makes it makes it fun to watch for they me. They use like condoms to make like, the <laughs> oh, yeah the there's balloon thing yeah, yeah. it looked like a little yeah. bit of paper mache yeah like my mom helped me make this yeah <laughs> right okay. yeah there's that stuff but in contrast there's the cavern I guess they call it a temple and how impressive that is. Yeah. so there is quite a contrast in technologies and Ridley Scott agonized over how to present the alien because he was really concerned about having a guy in a suit and have it look like a guy in a suit running mm-hmm. around. So he wanted to have like an animatronic thing, but it was too expensive. Huh. So they ended up compromising by hiring this guy who they sort of trained in mime and <laughs> dance and... They, like, discovered him in a pub. He was, like, seven feet tall and had really long, skinny arms. And they're like, well, he's weird-looking enough that he might not look too goofy in this suit. And then also they didn't film ever a full body shot, or almost ever. Mm -hmm. There's, like, just in the shuttle at the very end is the first time you see the full body shot. (laughs) And it is kind of funny when he crawls out of that space in the shuttle. And he's just like... (laughs) (laughs) But they handled it well. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did a really good job given what his role is. He's wearing this hokey, you know, late seventies alien outfit. Yeah. <laughs> and has like the extra head coming yeah. out of the mouth. And he's gigantic. <laughs> and I thought he did a good job with what he was working with. I, I had never thought of him as an actor. I always assumed it was a robot or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. young, I guess. But then when I was looking on IMDB and I saw that the actor who played the alien, I was like, Oh my god. A guy he had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should name check him because he yeah, that's true. was pretty great. So. Yeah, that's well, a hard I wrote role. it down somewhere. The actor who played the xenomorph is named Balaji Badejo, and he was a graphic artist that they discovered in a pub. So he wasn't even really an actor, but he did this and was pretty proud of his work, ultimately. It's oh. a hard role to pull off. Definitely. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
I liked the mother room. Oh, oh yeah, that's of, so cool. I'm like, I want a room like that someday. Mm-hmm. The like, rows of the white lights, and then it's like this sort of padded, leathery <laughs> rows of wall. I don't know. It just looked really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a sound studio almost. Yeah. With like all these lights that don't do anything, and then like a leather armchair. And <laughs> Like a sort of VSL booth as a yeah. console. Yeah, Mother's really cool. I like that it's called Mother because there's all that image. There's so much like birth imagery. Mm-hmm. When we first meet everybody, they're hatching out of eggs, wearing diapers. Yes. In the end, Ripley goes back into an egg, and of course, the impregnation of Cain and giving birth. I really noticed also Ash's insidiousness this time, too. Oh, okay. I was looking for it more than usual, especially after, like, watching... Because this is the first time I've seen it since I watched Prometheus and all that. Did you watch those? Prometheus and then whatever the one after that is. For some reason, I can never remember what it's called, but they're, like, the other two aliens directed by Ridley Scott. That are like the newer ones. You didn't see them? Oh, I haven't seen the newer ones. After the 80s, I decided yeah. to stop watching them. But I, now that I've seen this one, I think I'm going to see them all. They're <laughs> fascinating. I can't, now that I've seen this it's one. It's got again. Michael Fassbender in them, which is always a draw for me. <laughs> but he's an evil robot in those. There's, so there's like a lot about the concept of these evil robots that work for the company and what their motivations are. And so I was really paying attention to Ash this time. Ian Holm is amazing in this role because mm-hmm. he's so, ugh. <laughs> you know, right. everything he does is just skin crawling. And it's like, that's Bilbo Baggins. But, oh, says, yeah. you know, but <laughs> in this movie, he's so terrible. <laughs> I mean, he's a great actor, but yeah, his character is... Right. Just, <laughs> the way he attacks Ripley, too, is really it's interesting so scene because yeah. the walls have these taped pictures of half-naked or completely naked women on them, yeah. and she's pushed down in a bunk, I'm assuming, and mm-hmm. then there's a wadded-up, I'm guessing, girly mag or pornographic yeah. magazine. Oh, that's like they're... He's choking her with the pornographic magazine. Yeah. Like, really... That's an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. right. I was like, I never thought about it until this moment, but I was like, I wonder if that's their way Yes, yes, you know? yeah, that is a way cool. <laughs> it's like a really insidious choice for yeah. where to assault her. And then he's like so predatory. Like he admires the alien for its lack of sentimentality, right? You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. You admire it? I admire its purity. A survivor. And all clouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Look, I've heard enough of this, and I'm asking you to pull the plug. So he's aspiring to be that in that scene. He's like, I'm going to be the passionless killer here. I think he used the term purity, too, which I thought yeah, was interesting. Yeah, the Aryan yeah. idea of, like, yeah, yeah, eugenics. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they really go into that a lot in the newer ones. I recommend them, even though they have problems. And you have to do a lot of reading afterwards to understand what you were watching. (laughs) (laughs) Which doesn't speak really well for storytelling if there's so much left unanswered afterwards that you have to go and like look on Reddit to figure it out. Right. But at the same time, I enjoyed that process. So if you like the world of Alien, I recommend doing it. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say about this before we get too deep into it was that this is the movie that inspired the Bechdel test, in a way. (laughs) It's the movie that's referenced by Alison Bechdel in her comic, Dykes to Watch Out For, which was published in 1985, and we 
reference the Bechdel test at the beginning of every episode of our podcast, but we've never really laid it out before. So to pass the test, a film must have at least two female characters, and they have to have names, and they have to have a conversation about something other than a man. And it seems like it wouldn't take much for a film to pass, but historically, there's shockingly few films that do pass. Percentage-wise, it's probably like, I would guess... 20 to 25 percent and that's probably mm-hmm. of the newer movies right <laughs> <laughs> and ripley was originally written for a man so there's a lot of articles on how maybe that is why right. the role isn't so deferential to men and she gets to be her own person because originally it wasn't going to be a woman playing it at all yeah mm-hmm. the script actually said that all the characters were unisex for casting oh. but for some reason the writers, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shissett, I don't know how to say that, but anyway, they were like, yeah, everybody's unisex except Ripley, <laughs> which is really interesting. I mean, Ridley Scott wanted to audition women, oh, but cool. the writers intended for her to be a man for whatever reason. At least they were, their hearts were in the right place initially where they were like, well, any person can play any of these roles mm-hmm. for the most part. Except Ripley. Has except to be Ripley. a dude. Yeah. Them, yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, that's true. A Ripley woman can't say like, the well, day. That's yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably the closest we had to that was like Princess Leia, right? Around yeah. that same yeah. time period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she never really got to do the whole thing herself. So this was this was a big deal. She did a lot herself, but yeah, she was always outshined by the dudes. And in the end, she's mm-hmm. giving them awards and giving her an award. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is a pretty great movie, but I had a couple mm-hmm. hot probs. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. Erin, do you yeah. have any hot probs with this movie? <laughs> I have a few. I don't know if people agree with this. One is when they land in this mysterious place where there's some kind of possible distress signal going out, and they have to investigate to see if everything's okay because there's some kind of rule in the bylaws that you have to do that if you hear a distress Mm. signal or something so Mm. they send three people down to go check it out and someone's walking around down there is it i feel bad now because i can't remember who it is is it parker down there walking around and then says oh gosh it's really warm here it's like a tropical something or other can you see anything i don't know a cave a cave a cave of some sort but i I don't know, but it's like the goddamn tropics in here. This is completely enclosed, and it's full of leathery objects, like eggs or something. Yeah, they're walking around. It looks like eggs. Oh, this is a weird viscous fluid, you know? Mm. And they're checking around, and I just was thinking, if you know there's a bunch of eggs around, and it's like this weird tropical thing going on, like, why do you... Keep exploring. Why don't you, like, maybe go back, regroup, think it out, yeah. and be like, okay, I think we're in a nest of some kind. Yeah. How do we want to handle that? But instead, just keeps going into what seems yeah. to be, like, a weird situation. And so I thought that was a bit odd. I think if I found a bunch of mysterious alien eggs and viscous fluid and, like, the temperature was weird and... You know, I think mm-hmm. I'd go back and we'd regroup and we'd come up with the plan on what we wanted to do next. Right. I mean, maybe they do this kind of thing all the time, though. I don't know. But that right. seems It might weird. be like the personality of someone who ever wants to be an astronaut anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, if you see the alien eggs, you're cool. Well, kind of. Just <laughs> like that you just, you want to explore. Well, he is the first one who volunteers to go on the mission, right. too. Dallas yeah. is like, who wants to go? And Kane's like, I do. <laughs> I'll volunteer to be in the first group to go out. 
Yeah, I figures. He really he was gonna die like that one way or the other. I think <laughs> that was true. kind of his destiny. <laughs> huh. that, that was one of mine. Yeah, I just thought like I found that unbelievable. That is fair. Yeah, but like he was not kind of... shocked and creeped out enough by being in like a giant cavern full right? of alien eggs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was he called out right away. It's like yeah. those are eggs. Those are eggs. <laughs> yeah. This is weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then also, I thought it was interesting that they put all this energy into setting the scene. You know, they have the type at the beginning that talks about what the ship is mm-hmm. and why they're out there, and they give you some shots of the scene before everyone comes out. But they don't tell you like what the time period is and I thought that was interesting did I miss it when they talked about when it they never do they don't yeah say when it is I think it is intentional they don't want to date it like they didn't want to do that thing where like oh now it's Blade Runner here they wanted to make it more timeless or not timeless but just like always in the future yeah No matter when you're watching it. But then there is like a whole thing where someone pinpointed on Reddit, you know, that kind of thing, where in future movies they do say dates. Oh. So it's like around 2144. Oh, okay. Which is pretty far in the future. I mean, they went way out. Yeah. We'll never have to answer to this. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, Ridley Scott did drag Blade Runner in. He said it's like a shared universe in his oh. mind. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Even though, obviously, like way further. This is where we end up. (laughs) Right. It's always funny because for me, the beginning of Blade Runner, like it's supposed to be the future, but it feels immediately so dated because one of the first scenes, people are like smoking inside. (laughs) It just like immediately feels old instead of futuristic. And this movie too. Kane is smoking like in the cockpit. Lambert also smokes a lot, chain smokes. And it is really funny to think of like astronauts smoking. (laughs) 2144. Like I really hope we don't all smoke casually in the future. Temperament vice, if you're willing to go out in space for years and not know what you're going to hit. You're not as worried about lung cancer. Maybe <laughs> like, that. Yeah. I mean, but. that's true. They're definitely like, they have a lifestyle that's <laughs> it's a little reckless yeah, yeah. for all of them. Do <laughs> you have any hot problems, Amy? Not really, except, well, the scene after the alien explodes out of his stomach and then the way it scoots off is so comical. Like, not <laughs> like when it explodes, it's not comical. Then yeah. it's like, wee, wee, wee. <laughs> I don't know if that's supposed to be funny, but if it's not supposed to be funny, then that's a problem because it is mm-hmm. very funny. Like, I think mean, it's not supposed to be funny. Right. Like, <laughs> like, it's super scary when it happens, and mm-hmm. then it kind of looks around and just, like, scoots <laughs> off like it's on this little track, you know? Like, you expect him to have cartoon running yeah. feet, like... One of my hot pros, well, when the alien was hooked onto his face, how can he possibly breathe in there? But then later they show that maybe the alien is giving him oxygen or something or maybe it's like breathing for him what's it got down his throat i would suggest it's feeding him oxygen paralyzes him puts him in a coma keeps him alive what the hell is that you must not be too hasty we don't know anything about it now we're assuming it's feeding him oxygen if we remove it so then I was like, okay, I guess that's not a hot prob. <laughs> uh, they don't really have a lot of lighting on the ship. Like, they're looking for the alien, and it's just like, turn on the lights. Just, like, <laughs> maybe you'll see it better. And, and it was just, like, one of those, yeah. like, just right. do lights. I feel like Ash kind of looks around, he's like, eh. He's just like, <laughs> well, yeah. But I then, mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
sure it'll turn out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently there were producers who were saying that sort of thing to Ridley Scott, like, this doesn't make any sense for a spaceship. Yeah. That, like, room that Brett walks through with the chains and the water coming down, there were producers who were saying, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this room on the ship? What is this? Why are there just chains dangling from the ceiling? And he was like, I don't care. It looks cool. (laughs) And they let him do it. (laughs) And it does look cool. It's very memorable image but it doesn't make any sense what is that room <laughs> right it's like the greenhouse off the back that but there's like a... on the... <laughs> <laughs> or also like why is there a cat there oh, was a like, fucking cat why why is there a cat on the spaceship i know no. and why does anyone care about that cat because that cat is a dick <laughs> I would understand everyone dying for Jones if you kept seeing Jones sitting on their lap or like Jones sleeping with them or cuddling or just giving them any love whatsoever. But he never does. He's always just kind of a dick and then he gets everyone killed. <laughs> Lulu, my daughter would say that a dog lover wrote that cat character. She has like a whole thing about cats being portrayed as evil in movies and she hates it. <laughs> Dogs are never the bad guy. <laughs> it's kind of true. Except for Cujo, I guess. But cats are often, they're like the British people of the animal kingdom. <laughs> a hot prop of mine is I learned about the male gaze in a film studies class at college. And the example they gave was the shot on the shuttle of Ripley when she takes off her pants and it's like up her crotch and her little weird she's face under her. the tiniest underwear. Yeah. And she's wearing like a crop top under there. No one wears a crop top as an undershirt. It's like she's, what's her name from Weird Science? Like suddenly right. she's in that outfit. Oh. What would you little maniacs like to do first? So it's totally yeah. the same outfit. Yeah. Oh, I know. When that, when that started happening, I was like, and now it's that kind of movie, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know? And that was like the teacher. I forget her name. I wish I could remember. She was a UPS. She was a great teacher. And she was like, this is the male gaze. And I was like, I get it. That's all you had to say. Perfect illustration. Yeah, when she turns around, there's even the crack. You can, like, yeah. see it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember those thinking that. Yeah. underpants. Yeah, those are, very, those are very small. Maybe that's, like, the <laughs> price you pay. You get to play an actual human with, like, all the emotions and power and stuff. But... They have to have at least one scene where you're half naked and people can Definitely toggle you, right? That's yeah. the price. <laughs> we suddenly realize the Gordon Reaper's hot because he's in her underwear. Like, oh, yeah. Let us sexualize her for at least 20 right. seconds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they just did whatever the computer told them to. I was thinking about Mother and the... I haven't seen a Space Odyssey. I need to see it, but I know there's another AI or... It seemed like that was a thing in that period. This is the all-knowing computer. (laughs) And once Ripley gets access to it, she's actually trying to get answers and it's just not computing. And it's just kind of like, you have to do whatever the computer says. I think that computer represents the bureaucracy of the company. The computer is the proxy of the company. Oh, and Ash sh- is the proxy too, but once he's gone, it's just the computer. So I really like at the end when she's like, you bitch! Bitch! 
But I see what you're saying. <laughs> I feel like it's always fun to see in that era the computers as characters in movies. Yeah. Like it just seemed that there was almost like this computer panic happening. There was. Then, you yes. know, where it's like these computers are taking oh you know like <laughs> it's just it's a funny genre for me it really speaks to their generation like there's mm-hmm. those terminator movies too there were a lot of movies made around that time with robots right. or computers <laughs> creating a dystopia type of situation yeah, or just yeah. even like having mm-hmm. like a personality kind of you know i mean now that's almost a thing you expect but yeah did anyone see that movie electric dreams yes (laughs) oh my god i remember the Um, song too oh yeah it's like the beginning days of having a personal computer where you Mm -hmm. would have a computer in your house and this guy buys a computer his next door neighbor is virginia madsen like that's the era very young Mm -hmm. virginia madsen the computer can talk i can't remember exactly what happens but it's like the computer gets too close or wants to be friends the voice of the computer is is Bud Court, so that's <laughs> kind of fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's probably the best part of the movie, that is Bud Court is the voice of the computer. I remember when the bottle of champagne falls on the keyboard and then the screen has a bunch of bubbles going up it, like in two-bit bubbles. <laughs> It's so funny because Ripley keeps asking it the chances of survival and then Mother keeps saying it does not compute and then she asks it again and it says it does not compute mm. and I'm like, oh my god, this is like the magic eight ball saying ask me again later right. or something. <laughs> Your life is on the line. The computer is not working and can't yeah. give you any Or like advice. she's trying to deactivate the self-destruct yeah. and she's like, yeah. I did all the shit you told me to do and it's not working. Yeah, it's like, thanks computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I love the instructions. When we were watching that, we was like, why wouldn't it let you adjust the amount of time? You know, like, yeah. okay, this Like, why does it have to be 10 minutes? Right. It, it to has to be, yeah, I think if you're going to destruct it, you can choose from some <laughs> options. <laughs> like, it might take me more than five minutes to do whatever I need to do, you know. Like, yeah. Destruct it in 10 minutes, yeah. but you have five minutes to undo it, and... That seems like it should have been adjustable. Yeah. 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 It should be an override. Right. Or you should always be able to override. Like, what would be the advantage of having... Right, right. Having it be midway cut off. Ten minutes is just goes by so fast. Like, I don't know. I guess that's like a really cinematic amount of time. Because it always makes me laugh at Back to the Future when <laughs> Marty's like, I gotta go back and do all this stuff and save Doc and blah, blah, blah. Ten minutes ought to do it. <laughs> what? <laughs> you could go back you further. Stop some- <laughs> <laughs> Standard blowing up the ship time. I know. <laughs> and like, are there any other things besides spaceships that have a self-destruct sequence? Like, what is yeah. that? Like? Gosh, I hope so. I want to see more of those. I do enjoy them. <laughs> I know that it's just a classic ticking clock yeah. for tension thing, but yeah. <laughs> for hot prop, I noticed none of us thought about the fact that the alien knew to stow away on the escape pod. And it didn't even occur to me to think that was a little hard. To yeah. yeah, like, could like, the alien hear the announcement? Like, yeah. Like, the alien yeah. know what a fucking shuttle was. Like, right? how does it know so much about... <laughs> yeah, better hide here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, it's a perfect organism. Yeah. <laughs> That is a very good point. Also, that she didn't put her hair in a ponytail until, like, the very end of the movie. She would have her hair in a ponytail all the time. (laughs) (laughs) He worked on a fucking space shuttle. (laughs) I have my hair up all the time, and I don't work in a spaceship. 
Next call. It did seem like it was important to Ridley Scott that she be beautiful, though, because there was some quote I read about it that I should have brought, so I would actually quote it right. But he said something along the lines of it was important to him that it be a woman, and you wouldn't think that she would be the last man standing or whatever because mm. she's so beautiful and something. Right? Yeah. So I got the sense that her mm. beauty also was important, and that was like a very hip mm-hmm. do. So. That was very, yeah, that was, I mean, ex- actually, the other reason she reminded me of Kelly, what's her name? From the Weird oh. Science. Oh, Kelly LeBrock. Oh, Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock. <laughs> is because she had the hair, too, like, wild curly white lady hair. <laughs> <laughs> what were you talking about just <laughs> And the, oh, yeah. that she had to be a beautiful, you wouldn't expect her to survive. Yeah, to be the last guy. He did a bad job with that. Or she undermined him with her performance. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I would absolutely 100% from minute one expect her to be the last one, if not just among the last ones. Because she's got so much strength and presence. Like, I fucking love... We can do the Eskimo, the favorite lines. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. Some of my favorite lines are just when she's having conversations with Ash and she's just not taking his shit and she's not trusting him. But she's also not raising her voice at him or anything. She's just being so calm, but also showing him that she doesn't believe anything he's saying. Ash, when Dallas and Kane are off the ship, I'm senior officer. Oh yes, I forgot. You also forgot the science division's basic quarantine law. No, that I didn't forget. Oh, I see. You just broke it. Huh? Look, what would you have done with Kane? Hmm? You know, his only chance of survival was to get him in here. Unfortunately, by uh, breaking quarantine, you risk everybody's life. Maybe I should have left him outside. Maybe I've jeopardized the rest of us, but it was a risk I was willing to take. It's a pretty big risk for a science officer. It's, uh... Not exactly out of the manual, is it? She's, like, just such a badass. (laughs) I mean, there's a reason why she's one of the most important characters in cinema. You just did not see women like that in the movies then. Yeah, she was unflappable. Well, until the end. I mean, by then, anyone would be freaking out because you don't know. This chick's going to explode when you're on it. You know, the cat. That's a lot of stress. <laughs> but otherwise, she was unflappable. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I know. She, I mean, there's like none more pressure than everything's going to explode. Literally, if I don't get this yeah. job done, <laughs> <laughs> she's not like Diane Keaton starting a, a baby food business. <laughs> I don't know why that's always my reference point for like women of the eighties, but like, that's like what they thought. Is that baby food? Yeah. 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 <laughs> They're like, this is what successful women who have it all. They're like. Like, ah, ah, Kathy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver has zero Kathy energy, which I really love. Yeah. yeah, very steady. Do you have any favorite lines in this movie? Well, most of my favorite lines are from Brett and Parker. I like the yes. way they, they pick on each other. Like, yeah. I think... Parker's the one who says this. I know why they don't come down here. It's because of you. You've got no personality. Listen, you don't notice how they never come down here. I mean, this is where the work is, right? Well, it's the same damn reason we get a half share of their one. Our time is their time. That's the way they see it. No, but, but same listen, old shit, man. But I think I know why they don't come down here. It's because of you. You don't have no personality. They get paid less and stuff, and they blame at each other. <laughs> the way they talk to each other like that. Another Parker line that I really like is when they're talking about how they have this responsibility where they have to go check it out, and he's like, no, I want to go home and party. 
there is a clause in the contract which specifically states any systematized transmission indicating a possible intelligent origin must be investigated. I don't want to know that's intelligent. I want to go home and party. I understand exactly how he feels. Like that <laughs> moment is so relatable, you know, when you're just done with the job. So lines like mm-hmm. that that are just cut right to what he's really thinking, <laughs> I found really endearing. So. He was actually my favorite. I liked mm-hmm. Parker even better than Ripley, even though obviously by the second Alien movie, yeah, my favorite. I mean, everyone has heard the best at that point. <laughs> I like in the beginning when they're talking about the bonuses and all that, and Ripley says, you'll get whatever's coming to you. Hey, Ripley. Hey, Ripley, I'm going to ask you a question. If they find what they're looking for out there, does that mean we get full shares? Don't worry, Parker. Yeah. You'll get whatever's coming to you. I like that because it seems so ominous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like after Kane died and someone said, I don't remember who said it, but someone said, anybody want to say anything? <laughs> anybody want to say anything? It's just like that. <laughs> that was kind of a burn on game. Like, wow. I thought I always thought that that was more just we have bigger problems. This is just the beginning of our problems. Like we don't really have time for a eulogy because we're all gonna fucking die. Yeah. But they do rip on Kane a lot. I wrote down for Lambert, the other woman on the crew. She's saying, "Let's get the hell out of here. We'll proceed with Dallas's plan." What? And then don't blame the others. Oh, no, you're out of your mind. You got a better idea? Yes. I say that we abandon the ship. We get the shuttle and just get the hell out of here. We take our chances and just hope that somebody picks us up. The shuttle won't take four. Well, then why don't we draw straws? I'm not going in these drawers. I'm for killing that goddamn thing right now. Okay. I'm like, yes, get out of there. It seemed like nobody was listening to her. Like mm-hmm. Kane, when he just had to keep going. Like what you said with yeah. the hot prob and fight or flight person. I'm definitely a flight person. Like, <laughs> I'm with that lady. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. Going down that conversation was like fight or flight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, she was the only one who was voting for flight. Right. <laughs> And I guess they all have to, per the contractor, they're not going to make their money unless they go investigate it and bring Mm -hmm. back a sample for analysis. But then Ash was the one who doesn't... So Ripley is on the ship. She's the de facto captain on the ship. At first I was thinking he let the aliens back in and like he went against her as a captain. And so I'm like, maybe it's because he doesn't respect her as a woman captain but then it seemed like later when you find out he's a robot that was built by the company his mission is just to get the alien and maybe it's not like a gender bias of his that he did that but i feel like ripley had like a they were trying to repair the ship and Tom Skerritt or Dallas is like, I just want to get the hell out of here. And she's like, well, we're not done with the repairs yet. We don't have enough coolant. And he's like, he doesn't care. And it's just like, wow, she's the captain, basically, but they're not being... Well, the Dallas is the captain. Or, yeah. She's only de facto captain because he was on the surface. Oh. At that moment. Like, she was on the ship. It was really a technicality at that point because she was like, well, I'm on the ship, so I'm the captain. Yeah. 
So it was kind of an interesting switch of power dynamic because right. her superior was outside, but while he was outside, he wasn't her superior. And she was beholden to protocol and was determined to stick to that, but was undermined. And yeah. I think you can read it as both things, though. I mean, he obviously is a misogynist in addition to being anti-human. He doesn't beat up any of the other people like that. He only yeah. beats up Ripley like that. He's an android, but he definitely has hubris that is harmed by her resistance to him. Yeah. And he doesn't like that. It makes him angry, even though that seems counterintuitive to what he is. Yeah. So I really do think that he doesn't like those conversations that she has with him, where she's like, did you just forget what the rules were? Right, And he's kind of, he is trying to make himself look good because he's like, well, I just, I had to make a decision because I thought it was important to save his life. He was totally lying about that. That's not what he was. Yeah. He was like trying to be like, like, you're the bitch here because you're the one who didn't care about saving everybody. He's a good villain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the way he does it's very malicious. Yeah. That's true. And it's really good writing, too, because there's a lot of subtext. I really like a lot of the Brett and Parker banter, too. <laughs> I really like when Brett says, we're going back in the old Freezerino. <laughs> we're on our way home. Yeah, back to the old Freezerinos. <laughs> that just seems like a Harry Dean Stanton <laughs> ad lib. <laughs> and when he says, shouldn't have landed on this damn ball, I know that. Shouldn't have landed on this damn ball, I know that. Again, just so Harry Dean. <laughs> and then I just did want to say the specific beats in the conversations between Ash and Ripley where he's saying how it's an interesting species and it's tough and hard to kill and she's like, and you let him in. Well, it's an interesting combination of elements making him a tough little son of a bitch. And you let him in. She's yeah. basically saying like, you're full of shit here for what you want. Like, it's really interesting that you know what it is and you still decided to let it on the ship. Right. Ash was totally fine with it will kill everyone on the ship, but the company will get this specimen to mm. analyze. I mean, I think the implication is that they're going to use it as a weapon. What does a government want with it? <laughs> not to study for science. <laughs> right. Obviously, it's not going to go the way they want it to. Again, pretty typical of government and military. We've made this perfect killing machine and we're gonna end up killing ourselves because of it. Oh, I also like when Ash is like, what do you want me to do? Which is such a, you know, typical like male <laughs> response to right. a woman asking them to do something very reasonable. Right. And she's like, just what you've been doing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You're still collating? I find that hard to believe. What would you like me to do? Just what you've been doing, Ash. Nothing. I also really like when Brett is just walking around looking for Jones forever and just meowing. <laughs> like, meow, <laughs> meow. Yeah, meow. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Jonesy. Kitty, kitty. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. You blow it tonight, girl. And it's keggers with kids all next year. Yeah, Lucy was wondering, I watched it with Lucy, and she was wondering if Goose from Captain Marvel <laughs> is <laughs> supposed to look like Jones, if that's like a little oh, alien show. Oh, interesting, yeah. maybe. I mean, she had to explain what that even was. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that she thought be. it looked like Goose. Yeah, so. I mean, Goose fucks up. Like, spoilers for Captain Marvel, but like Goose <laughs> ends up being the reason that Nick Fury loses his eye. It's like someone just like implicitly trusting a cat and a cat fucking you up. I love that movie. One of my favorite things about it is just the way Samuel L. Jackson is talking to this little kitty that eventually is like the reason he loses an eye. Oh my goodness. 
could you just look at you, fella? Aren't you the cutest little thing? Aren't you cute? And what's your name, huh? What's your name? Goose. Cool name for a cool cat. Fury. And the thing is that it's not a cat. It's actually like an alien oh. <laughs> that can kill you. <laughs> I bet there is something there. I wonder like, if it looks like Jones then. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy's a good little film watcher. She is. Yeah. <laughs> There's some fun casting what ifs. Harrison Ford was offered the role of Dallas but turned it down. Oh, okay, I can oh. see that. And it was between Sigourney Weaver and Meryl Streep for the role of Ripley huh. for Ridley Scott, but wow. it defaulted to Sigourney Weaver because Meryl Streep was mourning the death of her partner John Cazal at the time. Oh. Yeah. She would have played it very differently. I, I think. cannot picture her in that at all. Yeah. yeah. Well, it came I'm out thinking of same, like that era. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Like Kramer versus, versus Kramer. Kramer. Yeah. yeah. Or like Manhattan. Interesting. But you know, she can do anything, so I guess. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> interesting. I would have watched that one too. Yeah. Right. Definitely. I looked up some of the drawings of, is it H.R. Geiger? Yeah. The alien is a very phallic head. Like, I didn't notice it that much in the movie, but in the drawings, Mm. you can really see it. They actually had to have him tone down a lot of, like, the the genitalia. (laughs) Apparently the first egg that he presented them was basically a vagina. They were like, (laughs) can it not be on its side with that big slit in the middle? (laughs) (laughs) That's his thing. He's kind of got, like, a George (laughs) O'Keefe... <laughs> Alien Georgia O'Keefe. Turtles. Respect that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not just penises, it's vaginas. It's all <laughs> The inside of the Nostromo was designed to look like an airplane graveyard, was the conceptual design for that. Oh, which I, I thought can was see cool. that. It kind of does look like that. Yeah. I do like how there's so many different textures and it's just like really chunky, not like smooth Star Trek. You know, Star Trek ships are like, in the future, ships are just going to be sleek. Yeah. They're like, no, in this future, everything's chunky. Yeah, it was very industrial yeah. looking. And I guess, it, yeah, I was thinking, like, there are space haulers or they're... They're like towing they, they, they're they're minerals like glorified or doing something. People, yeah. But they need, like, scientists and pilots. Yeah. They, like, picked up this big-ass ship <laughs> that's dead, basically, just out in space. It's like truck drivers, but in space or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how you'd land that back on Earth. I mean, it looks very unwieldy. I guess the idea is by then they have the technology. I I did look at that and I was like, I don't know how that would work. Re-entering the surf, I don't know. I don't know. Well, like when they land the shuttle on the planet, it's like on fire. (laughs) And it's much sleeker, you know. Space stuff is so scary to me. Yeah. It, yeah. So, it always makes me laugh that, like, it's always so harrowing. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, it's something people want to do. They're like, yeah, right. so definitely going to be on fire when I land, but yeah. sign right. me up. Or, like, now <laughs> the idea of going to Mars. Why would you trust Elon Musk to take you to Mars, you know? Like, he's such a doofus. Why would you ever put your life in his hands, you know? Right, I know. An eccentric billionaire. Right. Such a mess, that guy. Yeah. With the shatterproof windshield. Do you guys yeah. watch that? Oh, thing? yeah, like, I saw that. You're going to get in a spaceship with him. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, fine. We're going to Mars. Come with me. No. Uh-huh. Why would you? We'll take he my chances down here, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> that would be a good reality show. I would watch that reality <laughs> show. Go to Mars with Elon Musk. Yes. Well. Would that be fantastic? <laughs> I mean, I would be on the ship. I would right. watch right, it. Right, right, right. <laughs> I loved, like, the opening with them in their little stasis pods mm-hmm. or whatever, and they all open at the same time. It was a cool scene, like, opener. Yeah, you really get the lay of the land before you, you, you meet them. The camera goes through the whole ship, and you really get to see how big everything is. Yeah. And all the corridors. It's cool. <laughs> it's very <laughs> atmospheric. I don't think they uh, made a lot of movies like that. They certainly didn't make science fiction like that at the time. This is definitely a movie that inspired a lot of mm-hmm. other movies after it. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the abyss. Where it's like the, <laughs> o- the oil workers under yeah. the ocean or whatever. Totally. And, and then I was like, oh no, the abyss is like alien. I mean, James it's Cameron same- does want to be Ridley Scott. But yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> That's really the essence of it. Yeah, the aliens is like a completely different take on it. It's kind of yeah. like, here's how I would have made Alien. <laughs> a lot more explosions and action like, from the get-go and people swearing and Bill Paxton. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Bill Paxton's always got to be there somewhere. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. We have a new segment today. Oh. I decided we should call it Patronizing Bunny Rabbits. All we want is to be treated like human beings, not to be experimented on like guinea pigs or patronized like bunny rabbits. We often will talk about the ways directors clandestinely motivate their actors, often female, by tricking them in some way <laughs> or having other actors in on something that they're not in on. In this case, Ridley Scott's patronizing bunny rabbit was to pull Yafet Koto aside and tell him to be a dick to Sigourney Weaver. Oh, <laughs> And Yafet Koto did it, but he talked about it in interviews regretting it for years afterwards oh, wow. because he was like, I really liked her, I respected her. And that scene where she's down in the steam tunnels or whatever talking to Brett and Parker and she's like, fuck you guys, you guys are very annoying. Look, I'm not gonna do any more work. We get this straightened out. Brett, you're guaranteed by law to get a share. What? Why don't you just fuck off? What? What'd you say, right? If you have any trouble, I'll be on the bridge. That was because Yafit could have been riding her ass all day and she was truly like fuck you and he didn't oh, you know man. he was sad about it <laughs> well, that's but like why gross. again yeah. but it's just the reason it's just like people to act exactly you, know? yeah. you hired them to perform just trust that she could have done that scene like how hard can it be to be like in this scene you're annoyed with them like right. oh no i can't imagine what that's like yeah <laughs> i've never been annoyed with it i have to dislike yeah. him in real life to <laughs> convey that emotion <laughs> a lot of directors like the method where you yeah. actually mm-hmm. like feel and experience it rather than just act it out they feel like it's more real so to have it on their terms where you're saying like i need you to really feel it versus yeah. being like i didn't trust you to find that space so I'm tricking you into feeling Right, I don't think it's right. Yeah. It's really <laughs> gross. It's super gross. It's yeah. Up. Yeah. And then there was like a, another instance of that where he, and it's this is really triggering, <laughs> he, he told Veronica Cartwright to actually slap Ridley in Aww. the scene. And she did it and also felt bad about it. But it was just like, again, like, why right. do you have to really slap? Like, hire someone if you don't know how to do a stage slap or you don't know how to show someone how to do a stage slap. 
there's a reason stage slaps exist. It's because yes. in acting, you shouldn't have to really hurt someone right. to have it look like they're hurt. That's weird. So first he gives her this strong role, which is like mm. one of the strongest roles. I can't think of a stronger role that happened before in cinema, but I could be wrong. For women, yeah. where you get to be a full person, very exciting. And then he has other actors mm-hmm. pick on her and literally physically assault her. Yeah. <laughs> which is not normal in mm. the theater world or the movie business and then he sexualizes her for no particular reason during the last 10 minutes of the movie just yeah. slaps it on at the end he's Apparently got some there issues was some stuff they cut they were gonna have the alien come out when she was in her underwear and masturbate basically oh. <laughs> fortunately he had the sense to not do not that. do that in the end but like what that's weird like to make i know to make this like subtle empowering art house film and then in the end be like all right now well the lambert character that alien like slowly kind of wraps around her right yeah he, right before i don't remember if he touches her butt or not i think he does but i could be making that up he puts his tail like between her legs. Yes. So yeah. it kind of sexualizes her right mm. before. But this was right after Halloween was made, right? Mm. Sexualizing with violence maybe it was part of the culture. Now we're all better. We don't do that anymore. Oh, yeah, sure. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> you had to pair the two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad we fixed that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's so frustrating. When, I mean, I guess that people who get away with doing that, like people who try to do it and don't succeed are, well, I guess they still succeed in a way but like people who get called out for it are like Brett Ratner right terrorizing Olivia Munn and everyone's like that's not cool man because you're Brett Ratner Ridley Scott it's like oh he's an artist it's okay for him to do that because he has a process and a method or Stan you know Stanley Kubrick and Shelley Duvall or <laughs> Quentin Tarantino and every woman who's ever right. worked with. <laughs> I know, all these stories of female actors and right. <laughs> I don't know yeah. I haven't heard one where it's Right, like they always just meant to like fake a reaction, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. not that we're inherently better. I, I think like one day, you know, in theory, in a magical land where we finally are equal, you know, really equal in the eyes of most, if not all, people. I bet women will start doing that kind of crap too. <laughs> but right now, we're just not there. Right, but I mean, like you don't hear about male directors terrorizing men on their sets. Oh no, no, no. Right, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like he didn't take Sigourney Weaver aside and say, I need you to be a dick to Yavakoto. It's no. the other way around, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's that power differential thing. Yeah. It's <laughs> gross. I don't love it. <laughs> oh, another, like, patronizing Bunny Rabbits thing, actually, was the chestburster scene. They all read the script, so they all knew something. Like, there's a common misconception that they didn't know what was going to happen. They knew... Mm-hmm. Something was coming out of him. Obviously, they knew that, like, John Hurt was strapped to this table for hours. Mm. Something was going to come out of his chest. They knew that. Tom Skerritt knew even more than that because he was that day really interested in the mechanics of it. So he was watching them set it up. He really wanted to know exactly how that practical effect was going to work. But what they didn't tell anybody else was that they made the guts out of real animal guts. Oh, blood. Oh, so, actually, a lot of, the, like, the practical effects are animal products. Like, the... Face hugger when he turned over and they're poking around. There's like actual animal organs in there. There's like a lot of latex over animal bits. That's so. Funny. But so like basically their looks of disgust when <laughs> all the blood and viscera gets on their faces is real because they're like realizing in that moment that this is actual 
Gross. Animal bits. It smells so good. It smelled, I'm sure it smelled terrible. And apparently, Yafa Koto went home and he was like the most traumatized by it. He locked himself in his bedroom and wouldn't come out for a couple hours. His Aww. wife was like all worried and. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, oh, wow. he was processing that. I mean, I don't know if he saw some action in a war or anything or had PTSD or if it was just like in general. <laughs> just so just having animal blood thrown on his just face. So gross. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I wrote down in one part, gross chicken breast, because something mm. looked like a chicken breast. <laughs> yeah. When he's looking in the pod, John Hurt is looking at Yeah, the that was like some real animal bit. I don't remember what, but some organ. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, it looks very organic. Even as a vegetarian, like I understand wanting it to look real and making that choice. But just not telling people is so fucked right. up. Again, if the shit's getting on their face and they know it's coming, they're still going to be grossed out. Right. <laughs> right. I think they're still going to play it fine. You don't have to trick your actors. You just don't have to. Right. Just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, trust them to act. <laughs> yeah. I don't patronize bunny rabbits. So lunchtime poll? So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. I feel like this is okay because it's kind of a heavy movie. There's just not a lot of levity in the movie. So let's have some levity in the lunchtime poll. Let's get fun. There's a dropped subplot, and I don't remember if they shot this scene or an allusion to it, or if it was just in the script and they cut it. But essentially, there was a subplot where the crew were having casual sex with each other, Bloss team. And then in this scene, Ripley's talking to Dallas, and she's like, you know how we've all fucked each other? (laughs) Have you you noticed anyone having sex with Ash? Because she was like, it's weird that he's, you know, as, as like a sign of Ash being... Not human, because he's not having casual sex with everybody. All this to say, <laughs> if you're in this situation, which crew members of the Nostromo would you make time with? <laughs> Aaron. Aaron is oh, well, I mean, I'm the dyke in the group. I would go for Ripley, obviously. Yeah. I've heard it's too... It's reasonable that she gets so scared, but she's too scared. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I'd be into that. That would be fun. <laughs> I like a nice, level, energetic person. Yeah. That's more my thing. Do you think she's high-strung all the time, even before they meet the alien? She seemed tense from the start. Yeah. But the whole movie, when we see her, she's in a high-stress situation. So maybe when she's back on Earth and not working, she might be really chill. I don't yeah. know. And she had a really short haircut, so she could have been the gay, but, you know. But... <laughs> In the movie, as far as what we saw of their personalities and stuff, I would have had to go for Ripley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of my two choices. You can go with more than one yeah. if you want. I get, I go give straight. It because it's casual, you know. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to <laughs> If I had to sleep with one of the guys, I had to, or the world would end. It would have been Parker because <laughs> mm-hmm. he made me laugh so much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah is Parker Yafet Koto? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I had a hard time with it. I'm not, I don't find anyone, like, especially attractive and, you know, kind of yeah. shallow. So that's really mm-hmm. all I'm basing it on. Yeah. <laughs> but if I had to, I guess Dallas. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I think he's yeah. the only one that's. Mm-hmm. cute guy. Yeah, I don't even think he's that cute. I think he's... <laughs> no one has ever described Tom Skerritt as cute. I don't Relative. Know like, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I mean, it would be like a Mount Everest bone, though. You know, it's just like, because he's there. Yeah. Know. Well, that's exactly my point. Right. That was the point, is like, yeah. it is... You're just horny and there's no other options. you got to gotta pull yeah. off steam somehow. Yeah, so... <laughs> you got- are literally in the middle of nowhere and there are no other options. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dallas was my choice. I've never seen Tom Skerritt so young before. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> this that was a game changer for you. Yes. <laughs> this is not picket fences. This is no. young. Oh, wow. What, young what Tom a funny Tom Skerritt reference. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cute. Of <laughs> All right. Well, I'm the only one who I'm with more than one person, huh? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm the slut of the show. Just got the slut. Well, I mean, Yafa Koto on Earth or on the ship, either way, definitely. Oh, okay. uh, Ripley, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and to like a lesser extent, Kane, just because he's got that British oh, thing right. going oh. on. He was kind of cute. I don't know. Mm. He just kind of had like a boyish cuteness to him. Like, just wants to see what it's like. Maybe he'd surprise me, but... Yeah. <laughs> I think in regular rotation, Parker and Ripley. But Kane <laughs> will try things that the others might not try, so you can really go for it. He's the adventurous one. Oh, that's true. Yeah. He's that curious. True. He yeah, that's true. Sticks his face right in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that does kind of bode well, actually. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> He's willing to put his face in weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> If you know what I mean. <laughs> if anyone isn't getting yeah. <laughs> Great, that was fun. Right. <laughs> That's a good one. How very. One other line that I enjoyed, but just for my own reasons. Towards the very end, is she yells, I got you, you son of a bitch. I got you. And the way she says it, it's. A lot like, that's also one of the last lines in Fast Times, my favorite movie, when, um, when Judge Reinhold thwarts the robbery at the convenience store, and he's like, I got you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> best part of that movie which is a perfect movie so <laughs> it's saying a lot it's like the best scene in the best movie so, um, so i really like like just the cadence of it was i mean not that that's such a unusual line i'm sure that's in a lot of movies but yeah i really was very pleased by that because it was a little fast times echo for me i feel like i haven't mentioned fast times for a while so it's true yeah, it's, it's, not. it's more like an either or with ariana grande <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for her to come up in this episode <laughs> There was like almost no music in this movie. There were a lot of really quiet scenes. Yeah. Certainly no pop music, but like the score was also very sparse. Yeah, I liked the use of quiet and darkness to kind of give us a sense of we don't know what's going on. I thought that was the idea. Like Mm -hmm. what's going on, you're listening for something. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's so quiet. Whereas if there was music in the background, I don't think we'd be listening to try to hear like the weird alien noises. Right. And that's what the tagline is in space no one can hear you scream. Right. It's a good tagline. It's a good tagline. I read that they pitched this movie as Jaws in Space. (laughs) I guess it was coming off of the Jaws success. I thought that was interesting. (laughs) That is interesting. I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't seem Jawsy to me, but I mean, I can see that as like a punchy elevator pitch. Right. Yeah. But when you really think about it, it's not at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The thing about Jaws is that it was killing like civilians because it was in a place where it's usually safe to go. It is not safe to go to space. Yeah. <laughs> People don't just go to space for fun. Right. It's never fun. <laughs> it's always terrible. Plus, there's like no, there's not a lot of like punchy. You know, we're gonna need a big yeah. boat. <laughs> there's none yeah. of that. There's no 
Terminator. That's what, I mean, again, James yeah. Cameron was like, I think we need more quips. <laughs> There's some good jump scares in, in the movie. Well, yeah. I was pretty startled in some parts of it. And that kind of reminded me of that fun blockbuster action movie vibe that Jaws had. But yeah, I didn't yeah. think that it was like that much <laughs> at all. One thing that I thought was interesting is I remember Ripley being so heroic, but she doesn't really have her heroic moment, I don't think, to like the last 15 minutes or so of the movie. And mm-hmm. it's almost two hours. I mean, she's the mm-hmm. one who's got the most insight into what's going on and the only suspicious one. So she's the smart one in the situation or whatever, but she's not heroic till the very end. And I love that it ends so strong with her actually blasting the alien out into space and coming up with this idea on the spot and all that. So I thought that was fantastic. But I remember the movie, this really strong woman who handles the whole thing. And really, it's the very end when she becomes a hero. And until then, everyone's just working together to try to figure this out and survive. So I thought that was interesting that that's what you remember. That's what I yeah, think of yeah. when I think of alien mm-hmm, bat totally. and the alien opening his mouth and the other alien head coming out. Oh, <laughs> the two strongest. So. Yeah. It is like really a, like a workplace drama in a lot of ways. Yeah, really, exactly. <laughs> I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, but yeah. she's kind of like middle management and she's like, come on guys, let's just get this fucking job done. Right? <laughs> and we'll stop fucking around. Yeah, yeah. And then they're all kind of equal. Like shit's getting real. We've yeah. got to, let's try to survive here. It's funny that the writers didn't think about a woman being the last man standing. Because that is like, I mean, I don't know when the final girl thing started. But I mean, that did start with Halloween, right? Wasn't that? I think that was the first final girl. I think so. Do you know what year that came out? I think Close to right this, around right? the same time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was like a really relatively new <laughs> concept. Now it's classic. Now it's a trope. Right. It's got to feel good to write something that becomes a trope. That doesn't happen very often. (laughs) Oh, I have a little fun bit of trivia. They had budgetary restrictions. I know 11 million sounds like a lot of money, but (laughs) these days it's like a micro budget for a sci fi movie. The scene in the big cavern, they couldn't afford to construct it as big as they wanted to, so they had that big shot where they're next to the. He's called the space jockey later, but not in, in this movie. But the space jockey's in the chair, and you see the shot from far away, and they look really tiny. Those were actually children in those suits. Oh, oh And wow. the children were Ridley Scott's two sons and oh. Christian Bale. Oh, <laughs> wow. Bale. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. So I thought that was a cool little tidbit. <laughs> Uncredited, right. obviously. That yeah. would be such a cool memory as a kid. You're part of history. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Erin. Do you yeah, have anything thanks, you want to plug? Well, thanks for having me. I had a fantastic time. <laughs> this is really fun. And, of course, I would love to plug another one of my favorite podcasts that's about specifically queer films <laughs> for women. So that's Gal Pals Watch. Highly recommend it. I second that recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> we cover some of the same movies, but mm-hmm. they have very different takes. So yes. it's good. It's a younger perspective. We're the middle-aged women <laughs> <What>? perspective. <laughs> and they're the millennials. Oh, so that's... We, are, we are middle-aged. Yeah. yeah, so highly recommend it. And they review a lot of movies from all over the globe, too, which is also pretty fun. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. You want to listen to that. On the next episode of Paid and Puke, we let the cats out of the bag with Deb Kaplan and Harry Elfont's 2001 tween comedy, Josie and the Pussycats. Starring Rachel Lee Cook, Rosario Dawson, and Tara Reed. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, 
please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Hayden Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Hayden Puke Pod or join us on Facebook at Hayden Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.